Hello, and welcome to another episode of Geeking Cannabis. Today, we are going to go over the genetics of cannabis, specifically THC and CBD. So, what are they? Well, when you think of cannabis genetics, the best way I can put it out there for for people to visualize, I am a very kinetic learner, so I understand if it's hard to really grasp all this information through a podcast. That's why it's it's interesting. It's hard for me to listen to podcasts just because I have a very hard time just listening to something and really hearing it because I really need to visualize it. That's when I know that I've actually learned something. And so a good example for this for cannabis genetics is an apple, right? You have a red apple, you have a green apple, you have a yellow apple, and you have just different types of apples. So you have ruderalis, you have hemp, you have cannabis sativa, cannabis indica, and you have have a hybrid. So all of it is cannabis. It's just different forms of it, different genetics, different types. So like anything in the mammal kingdom or in the plant kingdom all of the kingdoms there is generally a male and a female right and that's for reproducing and so the female plant is used for the medicinal properties of cannabis and it produces those beautiful buds in which could produce our terpenes and the medicine and that is really what we use to smoke and to absorb into our body and the male plants however they're not necessarily used for um, the medicinal properties and stuff like that But the genetics of the males is what breeds with the female in order to create new strains and like um, to zero in on specific properties. So once you breed a plant, then you are able to cultivate it to a point where that those specific genetics that you're looking for in that plant, say you want something that is going to help with your body, make you feel all nice and light and comfortable, but it doesn't give you a head buzz. So you're breeding two different plants in order to get those genetics and once you breed them down enough then you will take a clone and you'll just keep growing that same plant over and over and over again and that's how you get a good gene out of cannabis. So the female is really what's used for those medicinal products and the male is not. The male is generally used for breeding like I said and it doesn't have much medicinal benefits but they can add to Rick Simpson oil. A full spectrum, Rick Simpson oil, is made from the male, female, seeds, and roots of the cannabis plant. So what is the difference between indica sativa? Well, I've kind of explained it a lot, and if you haven't really been catching up with the episodes, if this is your first episode, just know that indica and sativa mainly relates to where the cannabis plant is grown, based off of the equator. So the sativa is going to be grown near the equator within the 30 degrees so you have the equator and then you have north and south of the equator there is 30 degrees and sativa is right in that middle spot so it's typically pretty warm where sativa is grown and indica on the other hand is typically found 30 degrees north above that and 30 degrees south so you have the equator and then you have north and south and there's 30 degrees And then above that is where indica is grown. And where the plant is grown, it also directly relates to the CBD and THC content, which is pretty interesting. I mean, if you think about it, depending on how much light you get, how much heat, and 
it really is specific to the plant because indica and sativa and indica is going to like a more cooler climate it's a more close to the ground type of plant and sativa reaches all the way to the sky it's trying to go sky high right it's trying to reach that sun so where the plant is grown really determines how the content is going to be in regards of thc or cbd so if there's a lot of delta 9 thc it's typically below the 30 degree north latitude and in high thc it is the equal lateral regions within the 30 degree latitude which is around columbia and the equal amount of thc and cbd is typically north it's 30 degrees it's typically found in a colder region with a loss of light and rain. And in the United States, we typically grow a low THC with a high amount of CBD. And that's for agricultural purposes. So that is like hemp. And it's about 30 degrees north of the equator. So if you think about it, indica originated in India and sativa originated in Central Asia. So indica and sativa, it's really just a guideline for describing certain physical traits about cannabis and like where it's grown. And it does also describe the medicinal effects, but you also have to make sure that you're really reading what terpenes are in your cannabis and also making sure that you're sniffing your cannabis just to see like what exactly is in your cannabis, right? So in terms of indica, it has mycerine and alenolol dominant terpene. And the physical aspects of indica is the wide and dark leaves. It is a short and stocky plant, like I said, like it's two to four feet tall. It's really short to the ground. It's just hanging out. I mean, it originated in colder climates, so it makes sense for the indica plant to be shorter to the ground because it's trying to keep in as much heat as it possibly can. It has about a 40 to 60 day flowering time for those of you who are out there cultivating and love the cannabis grow and it definitely has high yields so look out for that indica is fun to grow and on average it produces a higher level of thc and cbd so the effects of indica have you ever heard of indica in the couch well now you have and this is why you want to be careful of indica because it has linalool in it right and linalool is like a lullaby it lulls you to sleep and linalool is lavender if you did not know that lavender is a sleep aid right and so indica it keeps your body high it is sedating and relaxing and grounding from that linalool and the effects tend to be described as more of a physical so like a body versus a head high and it's really, really helpful for pain relief and muscle relaxant. It also helps with anti-anxiety. It's a sleep aid because of that linalool. And it is an appetite stimulant. So you get the munchies. So if you don't like the munchies, but you also want your body to be relaxed, then maybe you're looking for a hybrid. And indica is 100% better for the nighttime use. But I find that in trace amounts, in very small doses, so like a 2.5 milligrams to a 5 milligram, which is about one to two hits when you're smoking, I find that indica is a perfect balance for me because of my anxiety. And so it actually really helps me calm down without making me tired. But you have to be careful because some strains, even though I get that good, nice feeling, I still get really tired at the end and it makes it hard to 
really stay awake after my high has reduced. So just to be cautious about you might get tired and you might not want it. And you don't usually want to smoke indica during the day. So just be careful about that, but at your own discretion, right? And then you have the sky high sativa, reaching up for the sun. And the sativa is the way I want to describe these fan leaves is it, it's a light and long thin leaf, right? But the leaves itself, if you think of like little French fries from McDonald's, whereas Indica has the wedge fries because they are wide and dark leaves. So think of thin and thick. And so sativa, it's a tall and lanky plant and it usually gets six to 20 feet tall. That's super tall. That's most certainly taller than a human. You may think, how do I take care of a plant that's 20 feet tall? Well, my friend, good thing there is such thing as a ladder. So, sativa, it originated in areas of high humidity that are around the equator, like we were talking about before. So, you have the equator, and then you have 30 degrees south and 30 degrees north. And the flowering time, for those of you cannabis growers out there, is about 60 to 90 day with the flowering time. And it unfortunately has less yields. Although it produces THC and CBD, it is generally a lower level of THC and CBD. And so what kind of terpenes are in sativa, you may ask? Well, there is terpenoline and caryophylline and pinene and limonene. And for those of you who didn't know, most hemp cultivars are sativa because of that lower level of THC and CBD. So what kind of effects do we get from sativa? It's more of that head high. And that's why you can get anxiety because your brain is just buzzing and just going. And you're just sitting there and you feel like you're going crazy sometimes. But that's if you're smoking too much. So know your limit. Pay attention to your limit. Know when you start to get uncomfortable. Seriously. I recommend keeping a guide that says, okay, this is what I used. This is how much I used. This is how it made me feel. This is the terpenes. This is at least what I could smell. And for those of you who don't know, I will be going over terpenes in a little bit, but the terpenes you can actually find on leafly.com. Again, that is leafly.com. It is a great use resource for learning about cannabis if you are interested and you want to learn more. It really helps with all of this information as well. So it'll give you information on the different terpenes. And if you're going to the dispensary, it will help you find your strain too. So sativa has stimulating effects. It is energizing and also uplifting. And the effects are more of a mental and emotional. So a head versus body, like I was saying, where you can get more of that anxiety. And the uses are for keeping yourself alert, keeping yourself creative. If you have any art projects that you're doing or maybe you're writing a song, it helps with depression and pain relief and appetite. So it makes you eat less food. So that's where if you want to have those anti-anxiety effects from indica but you don't want to get the munchies like indica gives you then you do a hybrid where then you can get uh, less appetite so you're not as hungry it also helps with relaxing your muscles so sativa is definitely more suited for the daytime use just because it doesn't make you tired like indica does and you can predict the effects based on the dominant terpene so when you smell it 
whatever comes to the forefront is usually what has the most. But it is also very deceiving because some smells are more dominant than others, so it's hard to tell. So the best way to know for sure 100% what's what is to get your cannabis tested. And a couple of warning signs about sativa, like I was saying earlier, is that it may give you unwanted anxiety and paranoia. So again, the middle of these two plants, it's called a hybrid. And the best way to really get the best of both worlds is with the hybrid. So it can have the properties of both the indica and sativa. And it ranges from broad and thin leaves to dark and light colors. And it really um, doesn't really matter where you grow it. It has a range of short, tall plants. So it can be either really tall like sativa or really short like indica. And again, for those of you who like cultivating, it is a 50 to 80 day flowering time. And based on the terpenes in the hybrid, you can actually determine whether the plant is more of a sativa or an indica. Because you remember how we said that indicas have more of a mycerine and a linalool, and sativas have more of that carolophylline, pinene, lemonine, terpylene. So you have to know what terpenes are in your cannabis to know what plant it is if you don't already. So it's interesting because with hybrids, based on like what the effects are going to be, it determines the indica to sativa ratios. And that varies on genetics and actually the length of the flowering time, which is pretty interesting. So you get the best of both worlds depending on how you cultivate it. So to kind of get into the anatomy of the plant, if you look at it and if you're growing the plant, you might see a little, how do you, like a mushroom, I guess would be to compare it. It's a little stick that goes up with a little ball at the end of it. And that is a cannabis trichome. That is what holds the terpenes. And so the trichomes are located in abundance on the smaller leaves and flowers of the female plants. So that's why we said earlier that the female plants are more of that medicinal benefit. And the trichomes are oily and resinous and sticky. So when you break your bud apart, you have to be careful because those trichomes will actually get on your fingers. And that's not good because then you're taking your medicine away. So like I said before, you want to be really careful about how you store your cannabis because if you keep it in a plastic bag, that's not good. You want to keep your cannabis in a jar, a glass jar, and you want to keep it like you keep your wine, right? So you want to keep it in a dark and cool place because trichomes are delicate and they risk destruction when they're exposed to heat and light and oxygen and plus the amount of time that they've been there for. So like, say you have a year old plant, it's going to be different than a six month plant of the bud that's already been curated and everything. Do you know what I mean? And the physical content, contact of touching your trichomes and the agitation of touching those trichomes, you will actually damage them and you will lose some of your medicine. So when you get your plant and the bud is dried out, you're ready to smoke it, you have to realize that there is such a thing called THCA and CBDA, and that is completely different than THC and CBD. THCA has the acid attached to it. That is what's grown naturally by the plant. It is non-psychoactive. And same with the CBD. 
And once you burn the cannabis, you decarb it. Decarb oxalation is the full word for those of you who don't know. It's putting a certain amount of heat on the cannabis for a certain amount of time in order to activate the cannabis to make the acid fall off to turn from THCA to THC or CBDA to, to CBD. So both this THC and CBD produce medicinal and psychoactive effects. And there's actually 113 of those phytocannabinoids, which are plant-based chemical compounds that are referred to as simply cannabinoids. There are 113 of those. And the four most common are THC, CBD, CBG, and CBC. So... THC, tetrahydrocannabinol. THC, it is the primary psychoactive cannabinoid, and the precursor is THCA. THC interacts with both the CB1 and CB2 receptors in the brain and the body. However, the interaction with the CB1 receptor in the brain causes psychoactive effects. And it can range up to around 30% in some cannabis cultivars. And some of the effects are going to be an anti-inflammation, so it reduces inflammation. It's an anisolgic, which is a pain reduction. It's a neuroprotectant, so it reduces nervous system damage. And it reduces intraocular, which is eye pressure, and spasticity, which is for muscle spasms. And it reduces muscle tension. It helps with bronchodilation, which reduces airway spasms in the lungs, and it is an appetite stimulant, so it makes you eat more. It also reduces nausea and vomiting. So say you are lactose intolerant, which I am, and your stomach is hurting so bad after you ate that ice cream that tasted so good and was 100% worth it, but now you're just having that normal pain, right? So you smoke a little bit of cannabis and it actually takes all that pain away. So your stomach feels a lot better. You are able to drink water again. You're able to function, walk around. You feel a lot better. It's a mood modification, which it puts you in the right state of mind. And just how we were talking about being careful with indica because of linalool, you need to be careful with THC because it can actually make you fall asleep. So with every good thing, there's a bad thing, right? You drink too much water and you can actually die. You drink too much alcohol and you can definitely die. So everything in moderation, right? I mean, even with coffee, you drink too much and you could have a heart attack and you feel like you're having a heart attack. So the THC adverse effects can include anxiety, which you might be wondering, I mean, cannabis can help with anxiety, but it causes anxiety, yes. And just like when you take your depression pills, if you take any, it can actually cause more depression. So you need to be careful. I mean, based off of your body and also based off of the strain that you're smoking and also being aware that depending on how much you smoke will affect how you feel. So THC can give you anxiety and it's often associated with an increased heart rate. So when you think that you're having a panic attack and your heart is racing out of your chest, you might've smoked too much. So you can actually do CBD, which will bring you down and not make you have those anxieties and feeling like your heart is pumping out of your chest. So THC can make you cough 
And that actually depends on your method of administration. So whether you're eating an edible or whether you're doing a tincture or a transdermal patch, you won't cough. But if you're smoking, you will cough. And if you're vaporizing, you still may cough, but you have a less chance of coughing because it's going through a vaporization and it's not as harsh on your lungs. So another benefit of vaporizing your cannabis. So THC actually decreases your blood pressure. So if that's a problem for you, don't smoke cannabis, specifically THC. And unfortunately, it can cause dizziness and a dry mouth, irritated red eyes. And for some people, that's really not what they want, especially when they don't want people to know they're high. I mean, a red eye, you know you're high. So in order to combat that, you can get eye drops which is very helpful. You can just re-wet your eyes and also clear your red eyes out. A dry mouth, you just want to drink a lot of water. Make sure that you are always consuming water with cannabis because it actually it is good for you, but it also dries you out a little bit. So you just want to make sure that you're staying hydrated and stay hydrated in general because water is really good for you. And if you go online, you can actually research in Google how much water is good for you because every person based off of how tall they are and based off of their body weight determines how much water they should drink. So I highly recommend determining how much water you should drink every single day and do that for you to get on your healthy way. And dizziness, you can't really stop the dizziness. It just depends on how much you smoke. I mean, I remember I first started smoking and I did not understand a tolerance. I didn't know my tolerance. And mind you, this was before I was going to the Cleveland School of Cannabis. So I didn't really know about edibles. And so I ate an edible and I didn't feel it. And then I said, okay, it's not doing anything. So then I ate another edible And then it did something and it kicked in and I was like, oh, this is pretty nice. And then I remembered that I took another edible and I was so dizzy. It was way too much THC. And unfortunately, that's just what happens. So you need to make sure that you're careful, low and slow. And you can actually have a loss of energy from THC, unfortunately. And you can also panic. You can have a panic attack. So CBD, cannabidiol. It is the precursor acid of CBDA, which is CBD. So you need to decarb the CBDA in order to get CBD. It's primarily not psychoactive. It's a non-psychoactive cannabinoid. And it was discovered in 1940. It has a better chance of working with your CBD2 receptors, and it can range from 4 to about 20% in some cannabis cultivars. It may change the effects of THC in the body. So like I was saying earlier, if you get way too high from smoking too much THC, then you can use some CBD and bring yourself down. But you want to start low and slow with the CBD because it also has its own adverse effects. So if you have a tincture with CBD in it, there should be a little marking on the eyedropper when you pull it out of the bottle and it should have about 2.5 and 0.5, 0.75 and then a 1. And you want to start with the 0.25 if you have never done it before. And you take a little bit of it, you swish it under your tongue because a tincture is usually sublingual. You put it under your tongue, you let it sit, you let it soak into your gums, into those veins in there and it helps calm you down. It helps with the adverse effects of THC. 
So CBD is actually legal to purchase in the United States. Although there is one thing, the THC content must be below 3%.3%. So CBD effects, what does it do? It, like we said, lessens the psychoactive effects of THC. It is also an anti-inflammatory. It reduces inflammation. It's an anastalgic. It helps with reducing pain. It's an antioxidant. So it reduces cell damage and anti-convulsant. So it reduces seizure activity. And if you have ever heard of Charlotte's Web, it was named after a little girl named Charlotte who had seizures. And when she tried this specific CBD strain, her seizures stopped. It was, her parents described it as a miracle. And rest in peace, Charlotte. She has actually died due to COVID, unfortunately. But thanks to her, we have more research on CBD that helps with seizures, which is amazing. It is a neuroprotectant, so it reduces nervous system damage. It helps with anti-anxiety, and it is an anti-spasmodic, so it reduces muscle spasms. Also, it's anti-tumor, so it reduces your tumor cell growth. So if you have cancer, this is really good for you. This is, you should use CBD. And it also improves metabolic dysfunction, so it regulates your insulin for those of you who have diabetes. So, like I said earlier, CBD does have its own adverse effects, things that you don't want, the unwanted effects. So, it can reduce blood sugar, and it can reduce some blood thinning medications. So, you want to make sure that you are looking at into your medications and how it affects with THC and CBD. And that's why you want to make sure that you have a good relationship with your doctor, or at least you're talking to a doctor that you really trust and you really feel is there for you and listens to you and doesn't just say, this is what it is and I'm not looking at anything else sort of thing. So you need to be careful because CBD can increase or decrease the effects of the medicine that you are taking. So one example is warfarin, which is aimed at preventing blood clots. You want to make sure that if you're taking CBD that you're talking to your doctor and seeing if maybe you get on a different medication with this one or if um, like it really is a problem. Just talk to your doctor, do your research, make sure that you know what you're already taking and what will affect with that. And CBD can inhibit the P450 liver enzyme which is used to metabolize some prescription pharmaceuticals. So if you look into that book that I actually recommended before, The Cannabis Pharmacy by Michael Bax. He is forward by Andrew Wheel, MD. It is the practical guide to medical marijuana. If you go into that book, you will actually be able to read some common medications that actually interact with cannabis and you just want to make sure that you're doing your research, you know, don't go into anything blind. And that's why I say at the beginning of the show, although I do my own research, I highly recommend you do your own. So CBG, do you remember how I said there was four of those cannabinoids that are really prevalent? Well, this is another one of them. CBG is cannabigerol. It is the third most prevalent and it is found more fibrous in hemp, which if you remember, Hemp is more of the sativa. 
and CBG is non-psychoactive. CBG is an analgesic, so it helps reduce pain. It also is an antiseptic, which destroys bacteria. It is an anti-tumor, which reduces tumor cell growth, which is really good for helping with cancer, and it helps treat inflammatory bowel disease. Also, it's a potent appetite stimulant, so it helps with your loss of appetite, which is really good. So, CBC, cannabichromine. It is obtained from immature flowers, and it helps with anti-inflammatory, so it reduces inflammation. It's also an nostalgic, which reduces pain, and it is an antidepressant, so it boosts your mood. Okay, so we know what CBC is, we know what CBG is, we know what THC is, and we know what CBD is. But what exactly is terpenes again? Oh yeah, it helps with the medicine, right? Yes. (laughs) So, it is the basic organic compound found in plants that make up the smell and the taste. Flavonoids actually help with the color. So, terpenes are smell and taste. Flavonoids, which you would think would be for smell and taste... No, flavonoids is for the color. So terpenes are basically are what's made in the plants for the essential oils. So like linalool, lavender, same thing. So terpenes are found in all herbs, spices, fruits, and vegetables. The terpenes are very volatile and they degrade easily. So they can get hurt really easily and they degrade really easily. Cannabis, cannabis, cannabis produces more than 200 terpenes, but only 30 in significant quantity. So there's only about 10 that are really, really dominant. And there are different cultivars of cannabis, and they appear to produce differing medicinal or psychoactive effects due to the terpenes. So when isolated, THC and CBD as single molecule compounds function in the same ways which is pretty interesting because thc and cbd thc is more psychoactive cbd is not psychoactive so it's interesting that when the molecule compounds function in the same way when isolated so terpenes are what tailor the effect so you have thc and cbd it does help with inflammation it does help with reducing pain right but terpenes are really what guides those effects So, do you remember that one plant that I said earlier that I didn't touch upon yet? That's ruderalis. Ruderalis is kind of like the wildflower of cannabis. It's grown out in the wild. It kind of is like the lone wolf, so to say. Ruderal means the first species to colonize land disturbed by humans or natural occurrences. So, ruderalis is Uh, native to Asia, Central Europe, and Russia, and it has adopted to harsh environments which are found in these climates. So it's believed that Ruderalis is to have come from Indica ancestors that have acclimated to harsher climates. And it's pretty short. It's about 1 to 2.5 feet tall, and the harvest has a weedy, scrubby growth habit. So it's really not used for smoking. Do not smoke ruderalis. It's literally considered dirt weed. This is the definition of dirt weed. So its branching is sparse and the leaves have a wide blade similar to indica, 
but are often a somewhat lighter shade of green to a sativa. So again, do not smoke ruderalis. It is dirt weed. And hemp, like we were kind of talking about earlier, hemp is derived from sativa. It has low amounts of THC and CBD, and it is what is used for creating like cars or clothes or paper or rope. It was used a lot back in the day, and we actually don't use it anymore. Unfortunately, we use trees instead. Cannabis to me is really just an interesting plant because depending on what's grown, how it's grown, determines how much THC, how much CBD, what terpenes are, and it's very just interesting that there are so many uses for cannabis. It's actually quite remarkable, to be completely honest with you, is that you can have hemp that you can use for pretty much anything sustainable, and cannabis, which you can use, well, cannabis and hemp is the same thing, but like indica and sativa, you can use then for a medicine, right? And hemp is basically a sister brother to sativa. It's pretty much the same exact thing. It just doesn't have as much THC and CBD, a significantly lower amount. So I think that cannabis should be legalized. I know I say that about every single episode, but I truly, truly do. Cannabis is a medicine and we are honestly lucky to have it. And so with that note, I say let's medicate. So this cannabis that I have here today, is called G-Wagon. It reminds me of the song Wow by Post Malone. And we'll see if it really is a wow type of strain. So G-Wagon, it does not have anything about its terpenes on here, unfortunately, but it does say the THC is 1.9% and THCA is 23.15%. There's no CBD and there's no CBDA, so it's only THC in here. And it's interesting because cultivars actually cultivate their plant to have less CBD or more CBD or more a higher content of THC or, you know. So why take out the CBD? Because CBD and THC work together. I understand that CBD will make you less high, but I also want the full medicinal benefits, the whole thing. So this wonderful G-Wagon that I have in front of me, I believe has osamine in it because of its minty flavor. I also think it has beta-caryophylline because of the hops flavor and also a humulene. So we'll see how this interacts with my body and I'll let you know. I definitely got the heaviness of the hops in there and just the back light note of an osamine from that minty flavor. And just so you guys know, the effects that I'm getting right now is definitely more of a head high. So this is certainly more of that sativa strain. And for me, not really my favorite. You know, unfortunately, when I went to the dispensary, I didn't get the right products because I could not read what terpenes were in the products. And when I tried to ask the Bud tenders, unfortunately, did not know. So with this one, I wouldn't recommend it for myself. But if you like G-Wagon, keep on smoking it. Okay, well, thank you for joining me on another episode of Geeking Cannabis. I hope you all have a lovely, lovely day. And thank you for tuning in. Cheers.